In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a concern for our church members and our neighbors, we have suspended in-person worship services for the month of May, and instead we are inviting our church to worship together via podcast. This morning is Mother's Day, and so I would like to wish a happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers who are worshiping with us, but also to all of the people who have been a mother to someone in their lives. We think a lot of times that Mother's Day is, is limited to the people who gave birth to us, but there are many people who have mothered us in one way or another, that they have given birth to the seed of faith within us, that they have given birth to a new type of love within us, or they have cared and nurtured us through all of our days, old or young or old. Somebody said to Jesus one time, uh, blessed, blessed is your mother and blessed is the, the breast that nursed you. And Jesus said, more blessed are those who hear my word and do it. And in another situation, Jesus' mother and brothers were present to, uh, to greet him. And they said, Jesus, your mother and brothers are here. And Jesus said, who are my mother and brothers and sisters, but those who hear the will of God and do it. And so this morning, we also remember that the way that we honor our mothers is by following Jesus, is by living out the ways of Jesus' love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness every day of our lives uh, to the best of our abilities. So happy Mother's Day. We pray that as you worship with us this morning, you would recognize that the presence of Jesus is everywhere we go, that there is no place where Jesus is not Lord. And so Jesus is Lord wherever you are listening to this this morning. And you are joined with uh, your, your brothers and sisters in Christ as we worship together.
Today, during my prayer, there is a couple that I would like to pray for specifically. Now, this couple is not part of our uh, church congregation, but they are a part of the body of Christ. And there are a couple within the congregation who know this couple. Her name is Sharon. Her husband's name is Lenny. And both of them have contacted the uh, coronavirus. And Sharon is in the hospital in ICU on a ventilator. And so I want to lift them up in prayer today. So let's bow our heads. Dear Father, we come before you on this beautiful Sunday morning. It's Mother's Day Sunday, and we're here to worship and to praise you. Not in a church building, but in our homes. And Lord, I, I pray for all of us in our congregation as the weeks go on and on. And we're wondering, when's it going to end? And Lord, you know when that will happen. Keep our faith strong. Keep our resolve. Help us to look to you in times of trouble. It's been a busy week in the prayer chain, Lord. There were many requests. And I lift each and every one of them up to you. There are people who are ill, not feeling well. And I ask that you be with them and you give them comfort during this time. There are others who are receiving treatments. And there are others who are having tests, waiting on the results of those tests as to what the next step will be. And Lord, I lift all of that to you. You've already got plans in motion for that. And I ask that each and every one of us will listen to the call of the Holy Spirit on our lives and follow his direction. There are others in our congregation who are lonely. And I ask that you be with them and that you would be right next to them because you have said that you will be with us, you're closer than a brother. And even though they are lonely, your heavenly Father is always with them. Lord, there are others who have financial difficulties. And if anyone has lost their job, I ask that help be available to them. And they put their trust in you, and you will guide them along the way as what their next step should be. And Lord, there's a couple that some in our congregation know. They both have contacted the virus. Uh, Lenny was able to quarantine for 14 days and he's okay. But Sharon, with some comorbidity problems, is in the intensive care on a ventilator. And I ask, Lord, that you be with her and that you comfort her during this time. And I pray that the uh, antiviral drug that they're using, the new one, will work in her case and that the virus will be eradicated and that she will soon be in recovery. 
Lord, I pray for Lenny as the unknown. And I ask that his faith be kept strong as he's concerned about his wife. And Lord, I ask as a congregation and we lift them up in prayer as they battle this. And Lord, I do praise you for all of the prayers that you have answered. And to my knowledge, no one in our own congregation has tested positive to the coronavirus. And Lord, I thank you for the protection that you put around each and every one of us. And I pray for our young church. I ask that you be with them. Be with Sophie in particular as she's going through some very trying times in her life. And I ask that you will send the right people to help her, Lord, and that she will remain strong in her faith for you. And Lord, I also ask that we as a congregation reach out to those other members in our congregation any way possible that we can, Lord, and that we can stay connected to them so no one has to feel alone during this time. Lord, I pray for our service today. I pray for our pastor as he brings the word. I ask that you open our ears and you open our heart and we see the message that he has for us. And Lord, I pray for the mothers that are in our congregation. And I ask that um, if you have a mother who is still here, that you will reach out to her and thank her for what she has done to make you the person you are today. In your precious name I pray, amen. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who've died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Have any of you had the candy now and later? It's a little... Uh, it's a little square piece of taffy uh, that is made out of sugar and ill will towards humanity. Uh, it, it is not good. Uh, I don't know why they keep making it. I don't know what the market is for this. Uh, I think part of it might just be to keep dentists in business. Um, it will rip out any, any device or, or implant or filling that you have. The first time I had it was... Uh, I was a, a young lad, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade in Sunday school in Mineral Wells, West Virginia at Mount Zion Baptist Church, and uh, it came in like a little wrapper, and there were five of them, 
And I, I think the idea originally was that you know, you'd get a little packet of them and there would be one now, and then you have more later, now and later. But the way it's turned out is you start chewing it now and you're still going to be chewing it later. It just doesn't go away. When we read this passage from Scripture today, we see, we see Paul who is very distraught because the, the, the word is getting around the church at Corinth that there's to be no resurrection of the dead. And as Paul, as you hear this passage, Paul is laying out very clearly for the church in Corinth what the ramifications of this are. And the ramifications for this are now and later. And they're severe. Because if there's no resurrection, if Jesus has not resurrect, been resurrected from the dead, and if there is no resurrection of all dead, then what hope do we have now? What do we have that we're living for now? We're still lost in our sins. We're still under the sway of the powers of darkness in this world. And so there's nothing for us now, and there's nothing waiting for us in the age to come. Because if Jesus has not been resurrected from the dead, then sin has not been defeated, and death has not been defeated, and we should expect no resurrection in the age to come. Paul is preaching to a group of people who are very familiar with this idea that dead people just don't rise again. And the resurrection doesn't make sense in our world because we don't regularly see people who have been good and properly dead come back to life. In fact, to my knowledge, there's only been the one person who has been good and properly dead and came out of the tomb kind of on his own. And so it doesn't make sense to a lot of people for someone to rise from the dead. And the church in Corinth, they were new believers, and their faith was growing. And because their faith was growing, it was going to be challenged by the surrounding culture. Because that's what happens, doesn't it? Is whenever you, you start to grow and explore and kind of try on something, uh, whether that's uh, Jesus or, or any other kind of ideology, you're going to get challenged on it. And what Paul is saying is the resurrection is something that stands up to the challenge. Because the resurrection not only happened, last week we read the passage where Paul listed out all of the people that you, a lot of the people that you could go talk to at that time, you can't so much anymore, and uh, listed out all of the people who had been witnesses to the resurrection. And now he is standing up for not just the resurrection of Christ, 
but the resurrection of the dead. And there's a difference, and let me explain. When Jesus rose from the grave, when God raised Jesus from the dead, and people heard it and they were astonished, they weren't just astonished because he had been dead and now he's not. They were astonished because something was happening that had been promised in the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish prophetic tradition, that now had come to pass in Jesus. And that's the idea of the resurrection. Because the Jews had the idea that at some point God would come and reign as king. He would establish justice and peace forever over the whole earth, using Jerusalem as his, his center, as the, the, play, the center of his reign from the temple. The dead would rise bodily. Those who were of God's chosen people would, would be raised bodily, and they would live and reign with God forever. And that was what was expected to happen. But what God said was, through Jesus, was, this is going to happen now, and it's going to happen later. Because what Jesus was doing, what Jesus did in the resurrection, was he rose so that sin and death could be defeated and he would fulfill the mission of Israel, which was to bless the entire world and to make one family out of many peoples. And Paul says that if there is no resurrection of Jesus, there's no resurrection of the dead, that this age to come is going to be at least delayed, if not impossible. But then we get to verse 20. And we get to verse 20, and we find out that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that Jesus is alive. And this is the good news of the gospel, that Christ has resurrected from the dead and has defeated sin and death by his death on the cross and by the resurrection. And now we can kind of look in the, the, the rearview mirror or the, or the back window, if you will, uh, as, we, as we move on through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because now we have seen that Jesus has, in fact, risen from the dead. And we can look back and see that the opposite of all of those things are true. All of those despairing thoughts that Paul had the opposite is true because by the resurrection of Christ, we live new lives both now and in the age to come. In the garden, Jesus had gone out to pray. We read this a few weeks ago on, on Good Friday. It's Luke chapter 22. And Jesus has gone out to pray, and, and he, he goes and he prays, and he goes back to his disciples, and they're asleep, and so he wakes them up, and he goes away to pray again, and he comes back, and his disciples are asleep again. 
And then Judas shows up. And Judas shows up with guards. And as Judas betrays Jesus into their hands, there's a, a, a scrap, if you will, and Jesus puts a stop to it and says, you know, you could have come and get me, come and gotten me at any time. I was around. You know, I, I haven't exactly been hiding. And then he says this, but this is your moment when the power of darkness reigns. And it's true, because that was the moment when power and darkness had their time, but not anymore. When Jesus died on the cross, it was the crowning victory, because love was winning the day. No longer did we have to wonder what it looked like for God to love us. Because we saw how much God loves us because Jesus died for us. But his death was not the end. Lots of people had been thought to be the Messiah only to be killed in a horrifying way. The resurrection is victory. The resurrection says it's all true. All of it is true. It validates all of Jesus' teaching. It validates all of the ways that Jesus said we are to live. But as Paul says... If the resurrection didn't happen, then we would be lost in our sins. We would be not just lost, we would be dead in our sins. There would be no forgiveness. But since Jesus has been resurrected, we're not lost. Now we live out of love and out of forgiveness. And this is the new day that we live in now through the resurrection. We no longer are condemned for what we do, but rather through Jesus, we have new life. That doesn't just go for us and our personal relationships with God. This goes for us as a people of God who are living in a world that does not yet fully recognize the Lordship of Christ. And what we do as God's people is we extend the love and forgiveness of Jesus to the world. And by doing that, we give the world a taste of this new life. We give people a peek at the age to come. Because through the resurrection, we are living the new life of Jesus. The old ways are gone. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and so have we, but we've also been resurrected with Christ. And we live this new life 
that's marked by love, that's marked by forgiveness, that's marked by peace. But when we love something, we can't allow sin and darkness to reign because they don't have a foothold in this world anymore. The darkness and the evil that we see in our world, it's in its dying breaths. Because this age to come is now. We now live under the lordship of Christ. And when we see the deeds of evil people, and when we ourselves are victims of the evil and malice of this world, we don't lose heart. We don't despair. We mourn. We mourn because we know this world is, is clinging to something that's, that's false. We mourn because we know that there is a better way to live, that there is a truer and deeper way to live. But ultimately, ultimately we know that love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ wins out in the end. And so what do we do? We remember that we are these resurrection people now. And that as we live our lives, we refuse to give in to the evil of this present age. And there are so many examples of things that are not quite right. We see violence. We see war. We see animosity towards other humans for any number of reasons. We see people living out of fear rather than out of love. And it's fear and violence and animosity that allows us to continue hurting humanity. And unfortunately, we as God's people have not been immune to this sort of violence and hatred. We have to repent of it ourselves because that's part of this ongoing work is offering ourselves continually to this resurrection life. But it's finding where we as God's people can bring the resurrection life into our homes and into our world. It's recognizing that there is nothing that gives us permission to hate another human being on the basis of skin color. There is nothing that gives us permission to continue the broken patterns of this world. And when we see it, we as followers of Jesus ought to get involved 
And there's so many examples through past history of this happening. William Wilberforce uh, in England was a reformed slave trader who, because of his Christian faith, worked to put an end to the slave trade in England. Whenever we see hospitals uh, that are named for, for saints or, or Holy Cross Hospital or, um, or hospitals that have you know, denominational names on it, um, there was a, a show back in the 90s called ER that was based on Rush Presbyterian Hospital in Chicago. And anytime you want run across one of these hospitals, they were started by people who believed that living out the resurrection life now meant caring for people, meant healing people, meant offering health care at a reasonable cost and, turning, and not turning away people who couldn't pay that cost. It means bringing that new world to life now. But we also have to think about later. Because if Christ defeated death and was resurrected, we too will be resurrected. That there is an age to come where Jesus reigns. That there is an age to come where if we are alive when Christ returns, we shall be transformed. But if we have met our mortal end, we will be raised imperishable. We will be raised fit for this new kingdom. And we will see it come alive right before our eyes. And we have this hope for the later. Because when you, when you have a later, the troubles of this world are not the end. When you have a later, the darkness that seems to win will lose at some point. When you have a later, sickness and death are just part of the story. Sometimes you run into, or at least I run into, kind of a, an altruistic nihilism. Like this belief that there's nothing else but this life, that nothing really has a, a lasting meaning, but we'll just do the best that we can with, with what we have now. And that sounds nice, and that sounds pretty. And sadly, I know too many good people who, who kind of believe that. But as followers of Jesus, if we believe in kingdom coming, if we believe in the later, then we know that what's going on now is building for the later. And that our lives now 
can be used to start something, to continue something that will keep on going in the name of Jesus. Our lives now can be used to stop something that would be stopped when Christ returns. And we do this in the power of the resurrection. Because through the resurrection, death is not the final word. Sickness is not the final word. Evil doesn't win. And this gives us a tremendous hope, especially right now. At this point in human history, we're all a little antsy. Around the United States, some states are starting to, quote, reopen. Some are being more cautious. Some people think this, is, this reopening is a good thing. Some people don't. And there's a lot of disagreement. And there's a lot of fear by some people that a new wave of this virus will crash. And I'm not going to pretend to know. I'm not a virologist. I didn't go to school for this. I'm a guy with a journalism undergrad and a master's from, Master of Divinity from Northern Baptist Theological Seminary. I don't know much about, about science. But what I do know is this. When we focus on our resurrection life now, realizing that it has lasting implications in Jesus' name, then we start to realize that our lives have a meaning and a value that will last beyond us because they're building for something. Our lives will last beyond us because we've embedded them within the resurrection of Jesus. And our world is not falling apart because Jesus is Lord and at some day will return to resurrect the rest of the dead and to bring this new life into full bodily form on planet Earth. And so how do we live now? We live now in patience. As difficult as that is sometimes. Because we don't know how it's all going to play out. We live our lives in hope in the hope that by the power of the resurrection that we as God's people can bring this light and life to our world. And we live as the love and forgiveness of Jesus to everyone we meet because we remember that the resurrection is strength for us now, 
is life for us now and life for us later. of our Pray for Pentecost Churchwide Prayer Initiative. And so I'd like to pray together. We have our, our daily prayer uh, calendar uh, that features different people within our church to pray for every day. Uh, we also have our weekly uh, prayer calendar of prayers to pray throughout the week. And so I would like to close this morning by uh, praying the prayer for this week of Pray for Pentecost. So let's pray. Remember, O Lord, the good work you began in us. And as you have called us to your service, make us worthy of your calling. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We pray that wherever you are, you are healthy that you are safe, and that you know the love of God and the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we'd like to thank 
Larry Crownover for his flugelhorn solo this morning. We'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for praying this morning. We'd like to thank Gary Hunley, our audio engineer, and his assistant, Doreen Hunley. We'd like to thank Katie Witham for reading scripture. We'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger for her music this morning. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, and wash your hands. Amen. <laughs>